0: Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Let's go ahead and jump into our Bible study this morning. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Let me hear. Do I hear the pages of the Bible turning? Just just do it for me so I can hear your Bibles turning. Oh, there you go. I hear that. No, a lot of your faces are lighting up because you have it on your Bible app or something. Uh, But uh, that's good too, Um, whether it's digital or print, whether it's um, in your lap or on your app, uh, we want you to have the Bible with you, right? And just follow along, read along, that's a big part of our church. And I'll tell you what, uh, I've heard so many testimonies and stories of our Daniel study that God has really done a work in in your hearts and lives. And uh, I know for myself personally, it's been really enriching and rewarding. I have yet to teach through the book of Daniel. We've taught through almost the entire New Testament and uh, some of the Old Testament over the past seven years that I've been pastoring here, but um, it is a privilege and an honor just to go through the scriptures and I'll tell you it's pretty overwhelming when you read some of the stuff that we're studying and the biblical prophecies that we're, we're looking at right now if you're you're new to our church or you're kind of just jumping into our Daniel series, you know we've been uh, going through this book and looking at a couple of things. One is, the first half of the book of Daniel, the first six chapters, deal with Daniel's just, just life and, and, and ministry, his courage, his faith, his commitment, his convictions, and uh, some of the challenges and hardships that he experienced. But then the last half of the book, uh, the last six chapters, deal with uh, biblical prophecy. And one thing to keep in, in mind uh, that we've noted already is that biblical prophecy, as we've seen in this book, has a near and far fulfillment. And the near fulfillment is what is taking place in the region during the time of Daniel's writing. So with the rise and fall of different empires, that being the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, even the Roman Empire. There's been four different visions describing in various different ways the same events. And we're going to see that even in the beginning of uh, chapter 11. But uh, chapter 11 is quite interesting that we're looking at today, we're going to divide it up into two sections and we're going to cover the first 35 verses today. And then next week, we're actually going to wrap up our Daniel series uh, next week and look at the last part of chapter 11 and then also chapter 12 because in the first 35 verses of chapter 11, we see this near fulfillment of biblical prophecy and it is in great detail. In fact, the verses that we're going to read today and study cover uh, about 375 years of human history in the Middle East. And so we're going to be here 375 days just studying it right now. So buckle up. Uh, we're not going anywhere for a while. No, uh, we won't do that to you. But we're going to highlight the main points, and we're going to get to some of the, the really, the, what I believe to be the, the application for, for us today. And, uh, and that being <clears throat> this idea that uh, God's people are caught in the crosshairs of these conflicts in the region. In fact, I said that there's 375 years of, of history in these verses, but uh, we also see a more specific 200 years of detail between conflicts and wars uh, between Syria, which is uh, the northern kings described in this chapter, and um, Egypt, which is the, the southern king, uh, king kingdoms and, and empires. And so the title of the message today is Conflicts to Come, And uh, we are given a chronology of some of these conflicts, more specifically between Syria and Egypt. And if you just look at the geographical location, there's a couple of phrases that are used in chapter 11, but also in previous chapters, talking about the glorious land or the holy covenant or even Palestine, which is the region of Israel. It's the holy land. And if you look at the the boundaries, you have Lebanon and Syria, which is the northern boundary of um, Palestine and, and Israel. Uh, you have the Mediterranean Sea, which is the western uh, boundary, pretty simple and easy there. You have Syria, <coughs> excuse me, you have Jordan to the, uh, to the east uh, border, and then Egypt in the southern uh, border. And so this region and the, and the wars and the battles that are fighting between um, these major empires, we see that Israel and the people of Israel and this Holy Land location is caught right in the middle. And so the point that we want to remember today is that God's people are caught in the crossfire of these world powers. Now, in the context of these verses, it deals with Israel. But I believe if you zoom back, we also see, particularly as uh, biblical prophecy points us to a, a later future fulfillment in the Great Tribulation and the people of God even today, that you and I are in the midst of similar warfare. In fact, last week we talked about spiritual warfare and Sure enough, when you start talking about spiritual warfare, you get an opportunity to fight some battles. I don't know if you had some of those battles. I know for us, in my, my, my life and family over this past week, spiritual warfare and battles. It's kind of like when you ask God for more patience. What is he going to do? He's going to give you maybe some more trials and you know, some hardships in order to work on that patience. Well, the same was true for me uh, with spiritual warfare. And we, we zoomed back and realized that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and sp- spiritualities uh, in the heavenly realm. And that's because as Daniel was praying and fasting, uh, seeking God for three weeks, God heard his prayers from the moment he spoke them. And that's great encouragement for us. That as soon as we start praying, God hears. But there was a delay in the answer to prayer. Three weeks because Gabriel and the Michael, the archangel, they were battling against spiritual forces over Persia and over Greece. There's this If God were to just pull back the veil and allow us to see the spiritual battles that are going on around us, we'd realize how much God has protected us from this past week. The angels up around your home and the fortresses of of God protecting you and guarding your heart and your life and and your marriage and your home and your kids is just pretty remarkable. And so uh, we see that God is fighting battles behind the scenes, but... um, but that was in reference to what God was going to reveal to Daniel in these specific details. And so first we see the chronology, this chronology of future empires. Secondly we see the conflict between Syria and Egypt. And then third we we see the cruelty of this individual who we've already spoken about, Antiochus Epiphanes. And you can, hopefully you write that down, Antiochus Epiphanes. Well, we should have his name up on on the screen as we go through this. But uh, he rose to power in 175, around 175 BC. And, And this really is an important figure when it comes to the people of Israel. Because he slaughtered Jews when he came to power. He desecrated the temple. And it's in reference to the desecration of, that causes desolation, which Jesus talks about in the New Testament, which picks up the story of the great tribulation in the, in, in the end times um, and the rise of the Antichrist. And so uh, we talked a little bit about how the Maccabean revolt came, and they fought against Antiochus Epiphanes, and they restored temple worship. And even to this day, uh, the Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah, which is, which is a celebration of the the victory over Antiochus Epiphanes who desecrated the temple and the restoration of temple sacrifices. And now they celebrate even to this day the Festival of Lights in Hanukkah, remembering the restoration of the temple. So you see, it's woven throughout. And we know that these biblical prophecies relate to the children of Israel. Uh, Daniel was told that multiple times as he was seeing these different visions. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the chronology, about these battles between Syria and Egypt, and then end with um, the, uh, the reign of Antiochus Epiphany. So, a lot to get to, jumping in here to Daniel chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Also, in the first year of Darius, the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen. So, it could be a continuation of the conversation that this angel is having with Daniel in the previous chapter. So, it could be that um, this angel is referencing uh, being strengthened by Michael. Uh, but also, maybe even strengthening Darius, which some suggest is a, another title for Cyrus, the, uh, the, uh, the, the king of, of Persia. And so we know that Cyrus, uh, he was an, anointed by God to bring about his purpose and his plan. That God used the pagan king to bring about his plan for Israel, which is pretty remarkable. So uh, he says, I strengthen, in verse 2, And now I will tell you the truth. That's important, to understand the truth. Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, the last verse in chapter uh, 10, verse 21, it says, But I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture of truth. You remember, Satan was trying to deceive and twist and stop the purpose and plan of God, but was noted in the Scripture of truth, there's nothing that can stop God. When God says it, nothing can stop it, right? When God says it in His Word, revealed in Scripture, nothing can stop it. It might take some time for it to happen, but it will happen according to His purpose and plan. The truth and this is so important, to be rooted in truth, to be rooted in the Scriptures. The Scriptures are, are, are true and pure and altogether righteous and, and holy, that every word will be accomplished uh, and, and done. So he says, I'll tell you what's true. Don't be deceived, because, behold, there will be three more kings who will arise in Persia, and the four shall be far richer than them all. And by his strength... Through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. And then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted even for others besides these, So in these opening verses, just a very simple uh, overview that Daniel is given of the Persian Empire and the Greek Empire. We've talked a great deal about this. Some of this is a bit redundant for our, our studies and just understanding, but it's it's giving us a, another perspective. We see that the angel describes a chronology of these four different kings. Um, some, there's some suggestion to some of those names. I won't belabor that point, but... I do want to make highlight of a king named Xerxes, who was referenced in the book of, uh, in the book of Ruth, and uh, Xerxes actually had a failed campaign against, um, against the Greeks, and some point to Xerxes' failed military campaigns which led to the fall of the Persian Empire. So after Cyrus, there was these four different kings, Xerxes being one of the last ones in the Greek Empire, and we all know that Alexander the Great was the one who unified the Greek Empire, who advanced it swiftly, and who conquered much of the Mediterranean region during this time. However, he died very young. And when he died, the kingdom was divided up into four regions. This is a reference to the four winds or the four directions. And uh, these regions were Syria, Egypt, Macedonia, and Asia Minor. And within these different regions, many different kings rose and fall over the centuries and over the years, but the following verses give us insight into two of these regions, that being the north. So when you see the word, the kings of the north, we're dealing with Syria. When you're dealing with the kings of the south, we're dealing with Egypt. And so, as I mentioned, the geography, you have Syria and you have Egypt, and who's in the middle? Israel. In order for the Syrian army, excuse me, the Syrian army to come and attack Egypt, you got to pass through Israel, and vice versa, going up into the north. And so we have these uh, kings rising and falling, dividing, and we know that uh, Antiochus Epiphanes actually comes from the Syrian kings, and we'll talk about him a, a little bit later. But notice here, we have in these first four verses, we have just a general overview of the fall of the Persian empire and the fall of the Greek empire. And now we're going to focus in on Syria and Egypt. And the first being the uh, excuse me being the south and that is Egypt. Look with me in verse 5. And also the king of the south shall become strong as well as one of his princes. And he shall gain power over him and have dominion. His dominion shall be great. It's pretty remarkable when you overlay the events described in these verses with history. It uh, really proves the prophecy and the fulfillment and the details. You can go in and look at the names that are recorded here and the events that are recorded here. I'll just make mention of a couple of things as we read through these verses. Because I want us to spend the most of our time at the end of uh, verse uh, 35. And, he says, these dominions shall be great. And at the end of some years, they shall join forces for the daughter of the king of the south, that is in Egypt, shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement. Now, this was common during this time. Uh, in order to forge alliances, in, in order to strengthen kingdoms, in order to preserve peace. So, some point to this daughter being Bernice. And Bernice was given to the king of, uh, of the north, uh, Syria, in order to you know, make peace. Um, but it didn't work in fact bernice was murdered and even her father was murdered and another person rose to power and again just wars and fighting and battles and deception it's all part of these world powers as they are trying to consolidate power the greek power the greek uh, empire power together as it was before and so there was an agreement, but she shall not retain her power or authority, and neither nor, uh, nor his authority shall stand. But she shall be given up with those who brought her, and with him who begot her, and with uh, him who strengthened her in those times. But from a branch of her roots, one shall arise in his place. Again, we're just tracking through, like, we're going through generations here, right? And uh, some suggest this is a brother who comes to power in um, her father's place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north and deal with them and prevail. So in these verses we see the exploits and the battles of, of Egypt um, against Syria and they're prevailing, they're winning, they're conquering. And he shall also carry their gods captive into Egypt with their princes and their precious articles of silver and gold and she, he shall continue more years than the king of the north. Also the king of the north, Syria, shall come to the king of the south, Egypt, and he shall return turn to his land. So there's back and forth. However, his sons shall stir up strife and assemble a multitude of great forces. And one shall certainly come and overwhelm them and pass through, and then shall return to his fortress and stir up strife. And the king of the south shall be moved with rage, the Egyptian king, the Ptolemites, And they will go out and fight with him, with the king of the north, the Seleucids. That's the region of the north, the Syrians. Who shall muster a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into the hands of his enemy. And when he has taken away the multitude, his heart shall be lifted up. He will cast down tens of thousands, but he will not prevail. It's an interesting commentary or comment. His heart shall be lifted up. And I try to look for some of these phrases when you read through genealogies and you read through some of these things that you're like, whoa, this is like kind of over my head, or what's the point here with all these verses? And uh, his heart being lifted up speaks of pride. You remember when we studied King Nebuchadnezzar, the same thing happened to him. He lifted up his heart in pride. Is this not the great Babylon that I had built? And he looked out and he realized that everything was because of God, not because of him. And we are warned in Daniel over And over again about the perils of pride and humbling our heart. In fact, the previous chapter talks about how when Daniel humbled his heart and sought the Lord in prayer and fasting, God heard. So God resists the proud, the Bible says, but gives grace to the humble. And these kings and battles and wars, I mean, multitudes and fighting, I mean, there's so much pride, there's so much power, there's so much authority. But what we've seen in the book of Daniel is that there is no greater king than the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That God's sovereign hand is in control of the rise and fall of powerful kingdoms and nations. And he's bringing about his purpose and plan. In fact, we're going to have an overview from one of our pastors um, in a couple of weeks. Looking at the second half of uh, the book of Daniel. And realizing that the temporary kingdoms that we've been studying through these different empires. Persian, Greek, Roman Empire. Have n- uh, there's no comparison when we talk about the eternal kingdom of God. And his eternal reign through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He lifted up his heart. And we should lower our heart, (laughs) humble our heart before the Lord. So that wraps up, again, a lot of history. Dealing with the battles waged from the Egyptians to the Assyrians. Now, the tide is going to turn and the Assyrians are going to come against Egypt. Look with me in verse 13. For the king of the north, that is in Syria... This is most likely a reference to Antiochus the Great. Uh, When you look at some of these names, you might be, who are these people talking about? But Antiochus is more of a title than it is anything else. And the kings of the north, excuse me, yes, the kings of the north uh, assume this title Antiochus. They will return, verse 13, muster a great multitude, greater than the former, and shall certainly come at the end of some years with a great army and much equipment, And now in those times, many shall rise up against the king of the south, also violent men of your people. Interesting reference to Jewish people who wanted to be delivered from the power of the Egyptians who had control over the region at this time. They unified themselves with the kings of the north, the Syrians, in order to fight against the Egyptians. And So they would be fulfilled here, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and build a siege mound, And take fortified city and forces of the south shall not withstand them. Even his choice of troops shall have no strength to resist. But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will. And no one shall stand against him. He shall stand in the glorious land. Everyone say glorious land. Here's a a great reference to understanding who is caught in the middle of these wars and battles. And that is the the children of Israel. The people of the covenant. Which is another word uh, for the Israelites. He'll stand in the glorious land, in this region of Palestine, with destruction in his power. He shall also set his face to enter the strength of his whole kingdom and the upright ones with him. Thus shall he do, and he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it, but he shall not stand with him or before him. And after this he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall take many, but the ruler Shall, but a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end, and with the reproach he will, shall be removed, and he shall turn back on him. And then he shall turn his face toward the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. And there shall arise in this place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom, again, reference to the Israelites. But within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger in battles. You guys follow exactly what's happening here, right? <laughs> Let me do my best to explain, as I already described the exploits and battles of the Egyptians against the Syrians. Here we see just centuries and years of wars fought by the Syrians against the Egyptians. They will build sieges, they will use mighty Uh, equipment and the Assyrians were known for their weapons of warfare to destroy Egypt to come against them with a mighty force of multitudes in fact building uh, great large armies to come against the Egyptians and they would try to deceive and to uh, destroy Egypt they'll be successful but they will also fail and then here we have the introduction of an individual uh, that is important to understanding what's happening in these verses, verse 21. And in his place shall arise a vile person. Everyone say vile. Ooh, this guy's wicked. We've already talked a little bit about this. Antiochus Epiphanes. He's coming from the northern kingdoms. this king of, of Syria, this vile person to whom they will not give honor as royalty. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes was not heir to the royal throne. In fact, some believe that he rose to power because of murdering somebody who was uh, an heir to the throne. And so he doesn't have royalty with him. But he will rise to power. Notice, he will come peaceably, and that'll be a lie. That'll be deception. Peaceably, and he will seize the kingdom with intrigue and flattery. And deception, and with the force of a flood they shall be swept away before him and be broken. And also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him he shall act deceitfully. For he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. And he shall enter peaceably even into the uh, richest place of the province. And he shall do what his fathers have not done. Nor his fathers before him. For he shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches. And he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. He shall stir up his power and his courage against the kingdom of the south. Remember, the Syrian king, Antioch's epiphany coming down, intrigue, flattery, deception, with great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up with battle against him. Great and mighty battle. He shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, Those who eat the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. But these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil. Everyone say evil. Here's another one of those commentary phrases or words I like to stop and pause and think. I just love how we're reading Scripture and just allowing it to wash over our hearts and minds, and God through the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we read it. But we see that there is evil intent. Now, let me just zoom back a bit because Jesus has already talked to us about this individual, Antiochus Epiphanes, being a foreshadow of what is to come in the days that you and I are living in right now. The Bible says in the end times, evil will prevail. People will call good evil and evil good. And people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure and and, uh, haters of God. And this type of environment with wars and battles and rumors of wars and fighting, the people of God, you and I, are caught in the middle and in the midst of this type of environment, even to this day. And we are faced with a decision. How do we deal with it? How do we live? How do we navigate? How do we process? How do we go through this world and life that is bent on evil with different rulers and kings and presidents and ambassadors and princes and other people who have evil intent of course God is going to use his he's going to accomplish his purpose but he's he can use people who don't know him to do that and so we are left with the decision how do we live how do we walk in this time and i believe we find the answer to that in the following verses and we'll just close with this because these kings were bent on evil And they spoke lies at the table. They did not prosper until the appointed time. And while returning to his land, that is Antiochus Epiphanes, trying to defeat the Egyptians with great riches, his heart was moved against the holy covenant, that is Israel, passing back through the region. He shall do damage to the children of Israel. And at this time, the appointed time, returning, go down south, but it shall not be like the former, for ships from Cyprus, which is a reference to Rome. So the Egyptians are going to be fortified by the Romans and they're going to come against Antiochus Epiphanes and they're going to destroy him. And bitter from defeat, he's going to return back to his region. But while returning back to Syria, he's going to pass through the glorious land, the Palestine, the people of Israel, and he is going to take that bitterness and that rage and pour it out, verse 30, upon the holy covenant. That is the people of the book. That is the people of God. The covenant, the relationship, the Mosaic law that God made with the children of Israel. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And if you obey my covenant that God makes, my favor will be upon you. And I will deliver you and I will help you. This covenant that God makes with Israel is a covenant that God continues to make with Israel today, I believe. That God also, through Jesus... Fortified and made a new covenant with you and I as the church. Through his sacrifice, he said, Take, drink of this cup. It's the blood of the new covenant that I make with you for the remission and the forgiveness of sin. It's a covenant meaning that God is making his promises to you and I. Just as God made his promises to Israel, he's making his promises to you and I through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can be restored and have a relationship with God and know God personally. That was the intent of the Mosaic Law. That was the intent of the sacrificial system so that the people of God could be close to God, could know God. And so this evil person is going to pour all of his resources upon the children of Israel, and his forces. Verse thirty-one: He shall muster, and he shall defile the sanctuary, and they shall take away the daily sacrifices, and the place there, and place there the abomination of desolation. Important for understanding prophecy. Jesus verifies that this is a reference to uh, what the antichrist will do. But if you look at some of the history books during this time that is referenced in these verses, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, killed. 80,000 Jews during this time. He enslaved another 40,000 Jews and imprisoned another 40,000 based on some of the records that we have on these military campaigns against Israel. It's a slaughter. It's a bloodbath. And what is happening to the people of the covenant? What are they going to do? There's actually two things, two different responses that take place during this persecution and this trial and this hardship. One is that people abandon the covenant that they walk away from the covenant, that they give in to the compromises of maybe fear, or worry, or anxiety, and they say, you know what, we're not gonna fight this anymore. We're gonna preserve our lives, but there are a different, there's another response, and that is to remain faithful to the covenant. Look with me here. He shall return, destroy the temple. We talked about that already. Eliminate the sacrifices, set up the abomination of desolation. Antiochus Epiphanes put a, a, a a statue of Zeus in the temple. He slaughtered pigs desecrating the temple. And those who do wickedly against the covenant, meaning there were people of the covenant, who used to be of the covenant, who are now fighting against the people who are of the covenant. And they shall be corrupted with flattery. They shall be manipulated by this leader in order to fight against those who are remaining faithful to God. And they will... Excuse me, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I believe this is really the thrust of this chapter for us, just to understand. People who know their God, wow, that's great. Here's another phrase, people who know their God shall do great exploits. You know somebody, you spend time with them, you you walk with them, you, you get to know them, you have a meal with them, you love them, you understand what uh, makes them tick, what uh, their joys are, what their fears are, you have a close relationship with them. You know, there's a there's a parable that Jesus uh, mentions in the New Testament. He says that there will be people in the end times that come to God and say, didn't we do all these great things in your name? And God will turn to them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never Knew you. You see, God doesn't want to have a relationship with us through some system of religion where we do things for God. He wants to have a personal relationship with us so that we know Him and understand Him. Those who know God personally will do great exploits. And I believe that is something that is so very true and needed in our world today and in in the conflicts that we experience, in the evil days that we live in, in the in the temptations and the flatteries and the distractions that Satan is coming against us as the people of God to compromise our faith, to get us going after other things, to turn our back in apostasy. Another great example of the end times is apostasy, a great falling away. In fact, Jesus said that he will not return until there is a great falling away. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, which is a reference to the Antichrist. A falling away means people who used to walk with God but no longer walk with God. It was just they don't want anything to do with God and they've been given over to their own passions and interests and and fleshly desires and now they're shaking their fists at God and they're walking away from God. Friend, let me encourage you today is the day to walk humbly with God. To know Him personally. And how are you going to know Him personally? You're going to know Him by His word. You're going to walk with Him. You're going to understand what He's revealed to you and I in the scripture of truth You're going to allow him to to change your heart and to forgive you of sin through what Jesus Christ has done for you and I on the cross to know their God and to see these exploits. Some of these exploits are described in persecution and dying. They're going to be uh, martyred because of their faith. But Jesus said to his disciples, if you follow me and you abide in me and I in you, then you will do even greater things than I have done. That's not insignificance. That's in um, in extension, in, in numbers because we can do so m- many great things, exploits. Just look at the hall of faith in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, right? I mean, these great exploits, and they don't have to be recorded in the hall of faith. They can be in your daily lives as you walk humbly with God and you know him and, and you are, are challenged because of the persecutions that you face as a believer in evil times and the evil age, but you stand up for those convictions. You don't, get, you don't compromise not compromise. And you speak truth uh, in love to other people. And there's this courage and, 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 and faith that is evident in your life that other people see. Notice, he says here, that they know their God. And these are these great exploits. And those of the people, verse 33, who understand shall instruct many. So we're, we're told a couple of things here about these individuals who walk and know their God. One is, is that they're faithful to the Lord. Just be faithful. There's one thing that's required of a servant that they be found faithful. God is faithful to you and I. He'll never fail. And God is calling us to be faithful to him, to just walk steadfastly seeking him. Daniel's taught us that throughout this book. Faithful to the Lord. The secondly is uncompromising in our convictions. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, how does Satan tempt us to compromise? Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, you know, God will forgive it. Oh, it's not hurting anybody. But Jesus is looking for people in our generation to stand up like people in this generation, to not fall away from the covenants of God, the promises of God, the word of God, the compromising in in, in their faith and who walk with God, but to stand up and say, no, I'm going to stand for truth. And one of the ways that you can stand for truth is like these individuals who taught other people who warned other people? Who instructed other people? Notice it says, they taught them and instructed them many things. You might not be a teacher, uh, you know. You get up in front of other people, but if you have the Word of God in your heart, uh, David says, "Hide. I want to hide God's Word in my heart that I might sin might not sin against Him." When you have God's Word in your heart, often what often what f- flows into your heart eventually will fall off of your lips. When you fill your heart with the Word of God, then it just flows out because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the reverse is also the same. That if we are filling our heart with the things of this world that mean nothing, that are just filled with poison, spiritually speaking, then it's going to leak out of us those things. But if we fill our heart with the Word of God and we instruct and warn, we need people in our generation to stand up against the compromises that are coming against us And uh, compromises uh, in my context, or maybe in all of our contexts, compromises in the Word of God. There are major denominations right now that are at the crossroads whether or not to uh, change theology and the scripture of truth. To change the scripture of truth to identify more appropriately with what is accepted in our culture and in our world. But that's perversion. That's what Satan has tried to do from the very beginning. He's tried he's tried to pervert and change the scripture of truth and the word of God. And we need men and women just like you and I, young men and women, old men and women, all the above, who will stand upon the scripture of truth and warn people, warn people in love. Speak the truth in love and live that type of life as a model and an expression for other people to see, how it's changing us. And to warn people that God has a different plan and that God's word is truth, and that you can trust it because you can rely upon it. There's great exploits. Instruct many to share this with other people. But notice what happens. Yet, for many days, we're back in verse 33, they shall fall by the sword and the flame. If you're going to stand up and speak truth to power, what's going to happen in evil days? You're going to come under attack. People are not going to like what you have to say. You're going to be canceled. You're going to be pushed out. You're going to be called this, that, or the other. You're going to be fought against spiritually, but also physically. And that is not only what our brothers and sisters are experiencing in other parts of the world, but I believe what is already on the soil, on, on American soil even today. Because of the pressures, because of the conformity, because of the intensities. Of the evil days in which we live and the powers that are raging from this side of the world to that side of the world. And the people of God, you and I, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, are saying, man, this is crazy. We're caught in the crossfires. But Jesus would say to you and I, stand firm. You have a backbone. God will strengthen you. Don't bend your heart to evil. Bend your knee to Jesus. Stand upon the foundation of Scripture. Warn people in love and and it starts with the people in your home. It starts with the children that you birthed. It starts with the family that is dysfunctional. And yes, every single family is dysfunctional. So share it. It starts with our neighbors. It starts with the people at work to warn and love. But be ready for those words that are going to come against you and I. The persecutions are already happening. Oh, that, I'm really closed-minded because I teach the Bible. And I teach that uh, I teach that certain things are sin. Oh, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't go there because he's not inclusive, or he really needs to change the way that his theology is. Well, that's just mighty fine with me, because I'm not going to change what God has already said in Scripture. And if that's the case, then we need to be ready for the battle and the war that is at head. We've already talked about the spiritual battles and it is gonna become more evident and more real as we take stands for Jesus Christ in our generation. But that is what Jesus is calling us to do, friend. Let's all stand. That is what Jesus is calling us to do, to stand. The worship team, you guys can come on up and lead us in the closing On To stand. Friend, are you willing to stand for Jesus right now? Stand and to know your God, great exploits. I saw these great exploits this past Friday through our church. That is great in God's eyes. When you take Jesus out into the community and you love people, people say you shouldn't say Christmas because it has Christ in it. Well, too bad. Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) (laughs) Happy holidays. No, it's good. We can say that. Happy holidays. I understand the sentiment. But when you have people saying, I'm not gonna go to that thing, or you shouldn't say that because it has it has Jesus, well friend, there is nothing, there is there is there is nothing that is going to help people who are lost in in and broken in evil days. There's nothing more than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I believe that we should be even more specific and more clear and more uh, 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 evident and and more just on fire and clearly articulate the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because they fall by the sword, there's many plundering, but notice he says, and those understanding shall fall to refine them, to purify them, and to make them white. Friend, know Jesus today. Walk with him. God will do great and mighty things that you cannot even possibly imagine or think. But he wants to use these trials and persecutions to purify your heart, to cleanse you and wash you, to be ready as a bride for his return. Amen? Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you. We pray, Lord, that we can be really overwhelmed when we see the evil that is intended in this world yet we know according to the scripture of truth, no evil will prevail, that you do not allow, but yet you even fill your church, your bride, your body with the power of the Holy Spirit to be these lights flickering in the darkness, to be salt that is a flavor of Jesus to a world that has the bitter taste of sin in their mouth and does not know where to taste the goodness of God. I pray, Lord, that you'd help all of us to be like these people of the covenant, knowing our God, taking a stand, and serving you. God, we love you. We thank you. It is in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.